Standing by the Terry and Ted podcast is sponsored by the UPS Store Canada. Should there be some kind of fanfare or something, Ted? Bum 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 bum. Well, there is the uh, there is the uh, the intro with uh, with uh, big voice Jeff. That's true. We do have that. And us getting us getting out of the Land Rover Defender. Yes. And uh, since I'm uh, recording uh, this in the uh, studio, there's this. That's true. We don't use that enough. <laughs> Our one sound effect. We have a sound effect. Um, that's because I, I'm recording from, uh, listen, we live in a townhome. We don't live in a big uh, mansion. But I am in uh, one of the bedrooms is turned into, as you can see, if you're watching this on YouTube, um, my wife's music office. She plays guitar, she plays keyboards, she plays drums, she collects uh, vinyl. Uh, she is a music junkie, and uh, she's been gracious enough to let me record in uh, what is the music office and also the uh, uh, the podcast studio kind of affair. Is the smallest of the three guitars hanging behind you, is that a, a small bass or a large mandolin? <laughs> no, that's... That's the uh, that's the small bass. I, I I don't know enough about guitars. Uh, I'll just move my head if you're you're watching. Yeah, yeah, we can see it. Yep. Yeah, that one there next to Paul. Yeah. Uh, that's a replica of the uh, bass that Paul McCartney. Oh, plays. okay. There. All right. Well, that's because I was wondering why why would I even know that that's a bass or why would I guess yes. that that's a bass? And I yes. guess it's because I've seen McCartney play one that looks like that. Absolutely. Uh, my wife Jess is a massive uh, Paul McCartney. A fan, she's seen Paul. I'm going to get this wrong, and I'm going to get in trouble. But I think she's seen him 30, 38 times now, thirty-eight or thirty-nine times. Well, she's famous for having been brought up on stage by Paul McCartney yes, in at Montreal. The Bell yeah, that's right, at the Bell Center, and ended up on the front page of the Journal de Montreal. Wow. How about that? Uh, welcome to uh, another podcast episode of Season Four. I'm Terry Demonte. That's Ted Bird. It's the Standing By Podcast with Terry and Ted. And uh, we're fine pleased to say that our title sponsor is the UPS Store Canada. Shipping, packing, printing, mailboxes, anything you need, uh, whether whether it has anything to do with running a business from your home, which a lot of people do, or as we record this podcast, um, it's that time of the year where, for example, us in British Columbia need to send gifts back home to the eastern part of the country. And uh, that's where the uh, shipping and the packing comes into play. You can go to the UPS store, and big or small, the experts there can handle anything you need to ship, whether it's something very fragile or it's a tin of your homemade cookies that you want to send to a family member. They can professionally print holiday greeting cards, invitations, flyers, postcards. You can set up a mailbox there. They really, it's a one-stop shop. It's really terrific. There are over 360 locations around the country, and they're all run by entrepreneurs just like you. If you run a business from home, you know how difficult it is to run your own business. They have all kinds of solutions for you. And uh, most of them are uh, families that run these locations that know how difficult it is uh, to, uh, uh, you know, do things that maybe you, you don't have facilities for at home, whether it's shredding documents or faxing documents or sending something important to a client 
or shipping the products that you're making in your garage. The UPS Store Canada. Find a location near you. There's one within the sound of my voice, meaning there's one very close to you. There's also one close to you, Ted. You did say shipping, right, and not shitting? Yes, I did say okay, shipping. Okay, that's uh, good. They, yeah, the uh, folks at the UPS Store Canada can't help you with shitting, <laughs> uh, but they will help you with shipping. That reminds me of uh, back in the day on yeah. uh, on the old radio stations we used to work at, uh, was it Trass Office Supplies was yes. a sponsor? And what was the guy's name who owned the store and read his own commercials? Stuart. Yeah. Stuart, Stuart something at Trass Office Supplies. And he used to say, we have the largest stocking warehouse in the city. But he would say it so fast that it sounded like he was saying, we have the largest fucking warehouse in the city. We have the largest fucking warehouse in the city. You should see the size of this cocksucker. You can fit all kinds of shit in there. Honest to fucking God. Give us a call. <laughs> oh, if only commercials could sound like that. Yes. And another thing that reminded me of, and I wish I had it at my fingertips because I did do a recording, a, a screen recording of it not too long ago because someone had mentioned it on uh, on Twitter. The Brenda Lee version of Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree. Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard that? Um, of course you've heard it. You've heard of yeah, you've heard it absolutely. a thousand times. Yes. And and I I don't know if it's gonna if it's gonna work because I can't. I'm gonna have to play it off my phone. Yeah. But at one point where she says later we'll have some pumpkin pie, yes. it sounds like she's saying later we'll have some fucking pie. And you're gonna hear that now, and you're that's all you're gonna hear for the rest of your life. Okay. It's coming up. Later we'll have some fucking pie. It's in this verse here. Am I right? Later, later we'll have some fucking pie. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody tweeted the other day that they were listening to that song on the radio, and their kids said to them, uh, Mom, what's fucking pie? <laughs> That's what we're having for Christmas. Later you know we'll have. Pie? What am I, a fucking waitress? <laughs> Your own fucking pie. <laughs> That's what oh, a nice tribute crazy. to Brenda Lee in the holiday. Yeah, well, you know what? Somebody should have caught that in production. Yeah. Somebody should have said, you know what? It sounds like she's singing later we'll have some fucking pie. I don't know if that's going to be so great for Christmas time. <laughs> we ain't got time to fix it. Yeah. <laughs> Ship it out and hope for the best. Yeah, rushed it into production. Um, if you uh, listen to the podcast on a, a regular uh, basis, uh, in the last episode, we had some discussions about other podcasts, and uh, one of the podcasts that I uh, I listened to uh, last week was uh, Joe Buck has a podcast. Oh, yeah? <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Joe Buck has a podcast that um, I'm, I'm not really I, – I, I wanted to check it out because I'd heard about it, and I, I don't I'm – not, I'm not so sure I'm a massive, massive fan – of uh, the uh, Joe Buck podcast because it's called Daddy Issues. And it's Joe Buck, and apparently he's friends with Oliver Hudson. Oliver Hudson is an actor who is the son of uh, Goldie Hawn. And um, uh, they, so they're the, supposed the to. The brother of Kate Hudson, then. 
Pardon me? And brother of Kate Hudson, I guess. Yes, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. I hope I got that uh, lineage right. Anyway, uh, Oliver Hudson and, and Joe Buck do this podcast. And I was interested because I wanted to hear their guest was Troy Aikman. And I love Joe Buck and Troy Aikman as broadcasters on NFL football. And I was intrigued by the fact that when they asked Joe Buck about how he got around, you know, because Joe Buck is is such a popular broadcaster, he often does uh, October baseball, plus he's doing NFL football, plus he's called golf in the past. And uh, the guys asked him, you know, how, how he got around. And uh, <laughs> he, he managed to admit that uh, Troy has an airplane. So Troy has a jet. So I guess things are going well. <laughs> That's how they get around. Uh, Troy Aikman doesn't fly commercial anymore. He flies on his airplane. Um, and, and that led me to, um, I'm, I'm not necessarily plugging, uh, plugging the podcast, but that led me to want to ask you, Ted, especially in light of what's happened in Canadian broadcasting, does the announcer that is calling a game influence your ability to watch or listen to that game? Generally speaking, no. Um, I can't say that, like, I don't go out and I don't go, okay, I'm going to watch this game because this guy's announcing it and he's one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do, as an example, if I'm watching uh, NFL football on a Sunday and, you know, I'll watch the Giants first and foremost because I'm a Giants fan. But right. whatever game I'm watching, if Daryl Johnston is the color guy, I'm happy. I really like him a lot. He's a former uh, teammate of Troy Aikman from the Dallas Cowboys Super Bowl teams of the 1990s. And I really like him a lot because he never sugarcoats it. If a guy makes a shitty play, he'll say, that was a bad play by so-and-so. He made, uh, right. you know, he, uh, he doesn't say he fucked up, obviously. Uh, <laughs> some Sometimes there are, I guess there are probably certain play-by-play -play announcers who, uh, who I'm not a big fan of. I was not a fan of Bob Cole at all. No, I know that. And... Um, <laughs> Because I think all Bob Cole had going for him was his voice. I don't think he was particularly articulate. I don't think he called the game very well from a technical standpoint. Uh, there's only so many oh babies that I can yeah. take in uh, in three periods. And I know a lot of people disagree with me and disagree with me vehemently. And my theory on why they disagree so vehemently is that Bob Cole was the voice of Hockey Night in Canada when they grew up. Right. And so if I diminish Bob Cole, I'm diminishing their whole hockey experience. And I think that's why they object. I think it's, uh, I think the objection is, is on an emotional basis where my criticism of him is, is on a critical basis. Right. And we were lucky that we grew up with Danny Gallivan, yeah. who, who was, uh, who was such a wordsmith. You know, Danny Gallivan never said, what's going on in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania? <laughs> that wasn't his thing. So to answer your question, that's a long answer uh, yeah. to uh, to your question, which is, yeah, like if Bob Cole was calling a hockey game, I would, I would tune out. Or I would just switch over to, if it was a Canadian's game, I would switch over to Pierre Hood. Actually, Pierre Hood is where I start now. I don't yeah. even watch the English broadcast anymore. I watch Pierre. That's the first example I could think of because one of the things uh, about Canadian uh, television and Canadian broadcasting is now uh, there are people on sports television. You know, when, when I turn on TSN or Sportsnet, 
I don't I don't recognize any of these people, and I don't think they're particularly um, what you would call experienced broadcasters, and and they don't seem to have they're, they're they don't seem to be very good at broadcasting. Period, and don't seem to have a grasp of what it is they're talking about. When you look at the American market, um, people that have been in the broadcast game for a very long time are considered uh, welcome professionals. You know, people like Al Michaels and Joe Buck and, you know, uh, the, um, uh, who were the basketball brothers um, that I can't remember? The Albert brothers, um, you know, Kenny well, Albert. Are there brothers or is it father and son, Marv and Kenny? Well, Marv and Kenny, I, I guess father and son, I think there was also a brother there. Okay. Um, but you know what I'm saying? Al Michaels is in his 70s. Uh, Joe Buck's been around for a long time. Um, uh, and they're the, still uh, held in great esteem. Exactly. Yeah. And 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 in Canada, they they washed out a lot of the the old professionals, pushed them aside or uh, put them in smaller roles, and have introduced us to people that you know. And I've I've looked at a couple of people and I thought, I wonder who this person is, and I wonder what qualifies them to do to be there. And I googled them, and there really is nothing that qualifies them to be there. And, and they aren't, I don't think, particularly adept. And it, it, it uh, you know, my, my, my wife who loves sports will say, will you shut that, will you, will you mute that, please? Because I, I can't listen to that grading, you know. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I know we, we don't have a choice. If you want to watch, you know, the Flames play the Oilers or the Canadians play, well, when the Canadians play, you've got the choice of, of Pierre Hood, of course which is everybody's, you know, everybody I know anyway, their first go-to. But there's there seems to have been a fallen off, a falling off of um, the requirement to get into sports television over the last, I don't know how many years, um, or, or sports broadcasting over the last how, how many years, you know, including the, the latest idea that... Uh, uh, sports uh, announcers won't travel with some of the hockey broadcasters. And there are exceptions. Dan Robertson, who we love, who I think is going to be a long time, a giant. Um, and, uh, you know, there are others, there are other people, you know, I've always been a fan of Scott Oat, Chris Cuthbert, people like that. But it, it just, it seems to me that, um, like I, I have trouble watching hockey night in Canada now. Is there? Can you specifically say who you don't enjoy watching? Are you talking about the panels? Are you talking about the play-by-play -play announcers? Because for the most part, it's still the old guard doing the play-by-play, -play, is it not? It's still Cuthbert and Jim yeah. Houston. Yeah, they're, they're the old guard is still doing the play-by-play, -play, but but I, I guess that's what I'm talking about. If if it's you know the the sports uh, broadcast, the the roundup, the highlights. Uh, the panels, I I find them. I I don't know. I just I find them. They 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 started to affect my desire to want to watch a lot of these broadcasts. Well, for whatever reason, the whole uh, a lot of hockey night in Canada, the uh, outside of what's happening on the ice, has become a whole social justice scene. And I'm not mm -hmm. sure why. And I don't know who they're trying to appeal to with that. And I'm guessing that they're. You know, obviously they are appealing to some people because uh, a, a lot of people uh, are into that scene. But uh, uh, by and large, I don't think hockey fans are are tuning in to be preached to about uh, about the social issues of the day. And Ron McLean has bought into it hook, line, and sinker. I think because he's desperately holding on to his job. 
I think his his personal identity is so tied up in being Ron McLean on Hockey Night in Canada that he would do whatever it takes to uh, to hang on. And when his time comes, I don't think he's going to go gracefully. I hope he does, but I don't get the feeling that he will. I I I'm I'm of the I don't know I I, I compare. I guess I'm comparing hockey to football because when I watch football on Sunday, there there is uh, there's certainly uh, you know there aren't there isn't a lot of time spent on political or social issues. There, I mean, there's, there's little there's, if any. Yeah, well, I mean, there there was there was some of it, you know, when when it came to you know uh, kneeling during the anthem, there was that that thing seems to have gone away. Um, but I think a lot of people turn to sports for escape, don't you? Absolutely. Like I, I if if I'm watching hockey, I I don't want to be I don't want to feel like I'm reading the opinion uh, section of the New York Times. You know yeah, what I'm well, saying? Well, I got some bad news for you because um, <laughs> oddly enough, hockey of all sports uh, seems to be uh, seems to have gone down that road uh, more than the others. When you look up, you were saying you you'll Google these these broadcasters yes. uh, generally speaking what are they recent graduates of humber college or some yes. other media studies program in the toronto area yeah or or they've come you know uh, you know so and so used to you know got her start as a weather person on such and such you know and and then was the entertainment reporter at such and such and and now are on a you know sort of have a national profile I mean, I, I guess that's fine. I guess it, it doesn't really matter. I guess you can, you know, you could be thrust into a position and and try and study it and and do the best that you can. But I, I would think that if somebody had come to me, you know, in my 30s and said, do you want to host the, the national broadcast? Uh, you want you want to be our anchor on the soccer broadcast? I would say, well, well, no, I, I, I can't do that. I, I don't know anything about soccer. I, I don't think I could get up to speed quick enough to do anything like that. You know what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're saying, and and that's what you're finding is that there are people on there who who quite clearly don't know what they're talking about. Well, I, I there, you know, yes, there are people, you know, that that come on, like, you know, I was telling you that I watch. Um, we we subscribe to uh, what I call Dizendazen. Um, and it's right. not disendazzling. D-A-Z-N. Right. It drives yeah. my wife crazy because I'd say, put on the disendazzling, <laughs> we'll watch the football. <laughs> and it's disowned. It's It covers all the football. And and you can watch any game you want from all around the NFL on a Sunday or Thursday, Monday, whatever it is. Um, and uh, But it's the Canadian feeds that they carry. So often, you know, when the game is over and you want to go to, you know, I want to see sort of a wrap up, um, the same thing with hockey. If I'm late to the hockey and I want to see the wrap up, I'm, I'm suddenly watching a sports net, uh, coverage with two people I've never seen before, don't recognize. And I don't think are particularly, uh, stellar broadcasters, just my personal opinion, and uh, you know, I wasn't the greatest broadcaster in the world, but I, you know, I have an idea of how the 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 business works. And I think, just I wonder who this person is. I'm going to find out who this person is. And I Google the name, and I think, oh, okay, well, good for them, I suppose, that they got thrust into that position at you know a fairly early and un 
spectacular way. Yeah, I, well, follow I, follow you know, the maybe money. Maybe I'm being an asshole. No, you're know. not being. You're not. But follow the money. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you know they don't have to pay them as much as they would have to pay a seasoned broadcaster. And you know right. the way the business works these days. You yeah. know, get them get them young and get them cheap. Yeah, that's 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 the Canadian model, and and it doesn't work that way in the states. For example, Troy Aikman has his own jet. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't. Off the top of my head, who would be the highest paid Canadian sports broadcaster? Would it be Ron McLean? I think it would be and Ron he would, McLean. And he would be know, in the, like, I'm sure he makes a handsome salary, somewhere around $600,000, $700,000, but that's peanuts compared to what those guys in the States make. Oh, right. So like I, Joe Buck what, and Al Michaels and those guys. Can you look that up, Poseidon? No, ask him to Google the Joe Buck-Troy Aikman deal because that's the one that just went through. They left, they left, what did they leave? They left, I think, Sunday night football to go to Monday night football? Or Thursday night, maybe. They're doing the Thursday night uh, game on Prime, I believe. On Prime? I believe so. The the, yeah. the Joe Buckman and what? Joe Buck. Joe Buck, B, Joe Buck and, Troy and Troy Aikman. A-I-K-M-A-N. Yeah, look that up for us, Poseidon, and give me the numbers because it was on Joe Buck's podcast, and um, I think it was on. Well, or no, I think I read about it. So they and, left Fox. Yes, they left. Okay, they I lured, wasn't even aware of that. They lured. They got lured away from Fox by. I think it was ESPN. I'm not really sure. Well, doesn't Prime do the Thursday night game now? Isn't that like a, a the numbers? Are so. Uh, Joe Buck, uh, he has a deal, a five-year deal between sixty and seventy-five million, and Aikman's deal will earn him ninety-two point five milli over the same span. There you go. Jeez, that's perfect. That's the article I was. And does it say who signed them? Deal. Who did they? Do, who did they do uh, the ESPN, deal ESPN. with? ESPN. ESPN. Yeah, there yeah. you go, Ter. Yeah. They, so they're they're now calling Monday Night Football on ESPN. I didn't even know that. Yes, and they were lured away. They were lured away by that handsome offer. Jesus Murphy. What were the numbers again, Poseidon? 92.5 million for Aikman and 60 to 75 million for uh Joe Buck. Now, now do you think that would create jealousy between them, Ted? Do you think Joe Buck goes, "Hey, how can we give Troy more money?" For I sure. doubt it. For sure. You think? For sure. <laughs> yeah. At that Come level, on. at that level, at that level, people people get petty. Over the dumbest no, shit. Really? You think so? I don't know. All uh, I know is you. They, they could have saved a lot of money. And uh, what is this for hockey? Football. 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 <laughs> I would have known every football player from name to ass crack. <laughs> you name it. With, with like for even, half that money. For yeah. for <laughs> less than half. Honestly, yeah. I would have done it for three hundred dollars. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's a far cry, Ted. That that Troy Aikman Joe Buck deal. A uh, little, uh, it's a bit of a far cry from uh, Ron McLean's salary. Yeah, no kidding, eh? Although I'd love to, I'd love to make Ron McLean's salary, but that's yeah, that's crazy. Isn't that's, that madness? Yeah, yeah. It's what we call big boy money. Yeah, no yeah, kidding. Yeah. And it goes they, back to what you say, Ter. Do I watch? I d I don't watch yeah. broadcasts specifically for the announcers. Although I will backtrack a little bit on that. I watch the Canadians in French because I like Pierre. Yep. I like him better than the other uh, than than any of the English guys, who I hear. But an NFL game. So how do you justify 
How does ESPN justify spending that kind of money? I guess I guess Joe Buck and Troy Aikman are bigger than the game, in yeah, ESPN's eyes at least. One of the things that that Joe Buck and and Troy talked about on the podcast episode that I listened to, they talked about how there um, there is like Troy Aikman spoke about when he was playing football. They always dealt with what was the number one crew, and the number one crew was Pat Summerall and John Madden. And because Troy played for the Cowboys at a time when the Cowboys were always a marquee game of the week or Monday night, <clears throat> pardon me, they they were always you know at the at the top of the ratings. They always got Madden and and Summerall, and he talked about how. There's a number two crew and a number three crew and a number four crew. And Aikman recalled, you know, in the, the days of his first season, which was uh, horrific, it was horrible. I think they lost 14 games that year or something, that they he would have to deal with the, you know, the second and third tier crews. And, and it, they knew that the game wasn't as important. So I guess, I don't know how it works at the network level in the States, but I guess they somehow decide what the marquee games are and they need a, a marquee broadcast crew. And right now the biggest, you know, the, I guess the marquee broadcast crew in football would be Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. And a lot of people would say Jim Nance and, um, and uh, Tony Romo. Yeah. Tony Romo's really good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Jim Nance and Tony Romo are the CBS version of, yeah. uh, of, of Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. It's funny that you mentioned that because when I was watching the giants and the Cowboys on Thanksgiving Day, and Joe Buck and Troy Aikman weren't there. I said to myself, "I wonder where they are." Yeah. I had no idea. I go. had no idea. I might want to pay closer attention. Uh, if you made uh, Joe Buck or Troy Aikman money, tear, and uh, you could go up to Jaguar Land Rover Laval and buy uh, anything you wanted, what do you think you'd look at? I would get the scoop de doo thing. What's the um, I think it's the Jaguar scoop de doo. The uh, it's not the scoop de doo. It's uh, the uh, the what's the one the the race car thing we were in. The one the that we drove, the F type. Yes. Yeah, the F type. Loved that vehicle. Yeah, yeah. That's I loved a that car. And there's 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 such even even in that you know in in their SUV there's an elegance to a Jaguar that I find really just terrific. If you're if you're a lover of cars and you like a little elegance, boy, Jaguar's got it in spades. Their SUVs. Uh, come in uh, three different classes now. There's the I-Class, which is the all-electric SUV. Um, uh, sorry, the E-Pace. The E-Pace is the all-electric uh, SUV. Oh, the E-Pace oh, is a smaller yeah, you're SUV. Right. It's the I-Pace. the I-Pace. It yeah. is the I-Pace. Yep. Okay. Sorry, Adrian. The I-Pace is the electric. The E-Pace is the yummy mummy. Ah. The E-Pace is the smaller, and then there's the F-Pace, which is bigger. You can get all the way up until the SVR. Tremino cars by heart, by that's, the way. I'm sorry. That's the one I want. I yeah, want the SVR. Yeah, that one SVR. has uh, around 550 horses, 550, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. A big V8, a uh, nice little growl. Um, a beautiful, beautiful car. Yeah, it's got a really nice little growl. I've heard yeah. the exhaust note on that bad boy. It's a really, really sweet machine. Uh, yeah, you might want to get one of those for the uh, for the winter driving tear. Get your F-Type for yep. the summer driving. Mm -hmm. And uh, get the uh, the F pace for the winter driving, or or go across uh, showrooms and uh, check out the full line of Land Rovers, 
including The Defender. I think that's my favorite. That's the one they gave us. That's the one you see at the beginning of the podcast right. uh, that Terry and I are getting out of. That's a spectacular vehicle. It's like a luxury tank that goes fast. And listen, go up into go up to Laval and and go to the go to the dealership. Even if you're not buying anything, I know they would hate they would hate me to say that for me to say this, but just go up and have a wander around these the way these family businesses are run. You're going to see you'll be welcome with open arms. You can ask some questions, have a peer in to some of the models. You know, lean in, get the new car smell, have a look at some of the things that we're talking about, and you'll see what it's like to deal with a a, a family that that's passionate about what they do. JaguarLaval.com and LandRoverLaval.com. Did you hear what James Duffy said during the uh, the World Speaking of Sports broadcasters during the World Cup? The uh, Canada when Canada lost to Croatia. Yes, and 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 uh, Alfonso Davies scored the first ever Canadian goal yeah. in men's World Cup history. And James Duthie on TSN said it was the greatest moment in Canadian soccer history. <laughs> and he was sitting at the same table as one of the members of the, of the Canadian Olympic gold medal winning women's yes. soccer team, Janine Becky. I didn't yes. see it, but apparently the side eye she gave him. Yeah. Did you see it? I, I saw it afterwards. Yeah. I, I saw the yeah I saw the replay of it. it <laughs> a replay of a, a replay of announcers. Well, because it, it was shooting around the internet. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, was yeah. There's a lot of outrage going on, and apparently his his um, his explanation was he meant to say men's soccer. Too late, James. Men. Yeah. Too late. Yeah. Too late. Horses, horses out of the barn, old boy. Yeah, and it was the old, uh, tick, 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 tick. <laughs> the old tap dance. It was, <laughs> you know, that. I think, I think that was a that was a bit of an issue. Was you know, it, it, it as you say, horses out of the barn. He was like, no, 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 no. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What I meant was, why did they call him out right away on it? No, 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 no. It was the internet that called him out on it. Okay, so it, so in the moment, she let it pass. And the other people on the panel let it pass? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then he came out, and then he put on his dancing shoes after the internet came after him. Well, yeah. yeah, and said, whoops, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I left out men's. Yeah. Is, uh, the way I understood it. Um, <clears throat> we were uh, talking about uh, money. I just want to steer away from the uh, sports thing there for a second. Uh, you and I have had this discussion off the podcast, and I thought we'd have it on the podcast the other day, I was uh, out in a boot uh, trying to get some uh, Christmas shopping done. And uh, there's this donut place here in Vancouver that, uh, that people go on and on about, about the greatest donuts in the world. You never tasted anything like it. It's just unbelievable. And um, I, I, I don't, you know, at this age and, uh, and uh, this point in my life, I don't spend a lot of time eating donuts. So you can make your own fat joke if you like. Um, but I thought, you know what? I've heard so much about this. Let me, let me, let me see what this shit is all about. So I, I, I said, I'll, can I have, I, I wanted the blueberry, what was it called? It was called blueberry yeah. jammed or blueberry stuffed donut. And it had a hint of, there was a little bit of blueberry in it. The, the donut was decidedly average. Anyway, she put the donut in the bag, and I handed her a $5 bill, and she said, oh, I'm sorry, sir, we don't take cash. Oh. So I had to whip out 
you know, I said, oh, okay. So reach for my wallet to get my visa card to pay. I don't know. What was it? Two, two sixty or three fifty or whatever it was for this allegedly unbelievable donut. And as I was doing the, the, you know, jumping through the hoops on the screen, it, it asked me if I wanted to leave a tip for one donut. And you, you know me, Ted, you've, you've been with me at restaurants. You know that I'm, I'm, uh, you I'm a, a generous, generous tipper. Yep. Yeah. I believe in overly tipping. generous even. And I just, I, I just thought, well, no, you, you, you handed me a donut. Yeah. I, I don't think that's cause for some kind of, you know, gratuity. And I felt bad because I hit no. It was like, do you want to leave 10, 15, 20 or other, which is now the, it's the whole thing. And there's a move to, uh, to come to a point where I guess we don't carry cash anymore. And I, I, again, I, I want to know if we're the old guy on the rocking chair, but have you come across this and does it, do you enjoy the fact that you don't need to carry cash anymore? No, I like to, I like to carry cash. I like to have colorful money with pictures of the queen on it. And I'm looking forward to having colorful money with pictures of the king on it. But I run into that more frequently as well. I ran into that when uh, Sam, my son, and I were down in Jacksonville watching uh, the Jaguars and the New York Giants right. uh, earlier this fall. And uh, at the stadium in Jacksonville, I went to buy a bottle of water for Sam and a Diet Coke for myself. And uh, same deal. I pulled out some cash. No, sir. Card only. And I said, but I have uh, green paper with pictures of your presidents that I would like to use. Sorry, sir, card only. So I had to use my card to pay $13 US for a bottle of water and a Diet Coke. And then I had the same thing happen at home the other night, went out for a coffee and uh, pulled out a $5 bill. Sorry, sir, we don't accept cash. We only take, uh, only take it on the card. I don't recall if there was a tip option offered on that or not. What I have seen in restaurants is uh, when you use your card and they offer you the tip option, it starts at 18%. That's the lowest tip option. I've seen that. 18, would you like to tip 18%, 20%? And right. then I don't even look above 20 because I'm not, I'm not even tipping 18. I go to other and I tip 15 because okay. that's what I've always tipped. I okay. think that's a very fair gratuity on a meal. And especially a meal if you're, you know, if you're looking at a hundred bucks or more, uh, 15%, I think is a, is a good tip. Yeah. I've, I've, I've always been a 20% guy and, and I, uh, I, I'm not, I'm I, well, Troy I, Aikman, you always made more than me. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently we're, we're moving to, uh, a, a cashless society. And, you know, I, I sent you an article earlier today uh, saying that uh, that more and more, um, I think it's now in the billions of dollars um, that uh, tips are paid online and uh, and not in cash anymore. And apparently, the the people that work uh, say because it's easier to leave a tip, more people do. And uh, there are some apparently some uh, uh, terminals that uh, are asking you. Uh, uh, for uh, tips, sometimes up to forty percent, <laughs> and apparently, according to the the article that I'm looking at, it says most people choose somewhere in the middle so as not to appear cheap, 
um, but also because humans are subject to extreme aversion bias, according to people that did the study at BCIT. And apparently prompting all these tips uh, at restaurants and, uh, and stores uh, are because of these digital terminals uh, by uh, large financial techni uh, technology companies that complement the services of major credit card companies. And restaurant owners seem to like them, and uh, so do uh, the British Columbians. The article is about a British Columbians. Apparently, $14 billion worth of bills would have about $960 million in tax added to the subtotal. So if people in BC tip 15% on average, it would amount to about $2.3 billion in tips. And that, uh, if you use your card, uh, means $1.8 billion in tips is being processed digitally. So it's a, it's a payoff for, for everybody. Apparently the servers, the financial companies, the, the companies that you're buying from. And I know in some countries, like in Sweden, apparently you can't, you can't use your cash anywhere anymore. And really, that, that eh? frightens me a little bit. Well, it is a little bit frightening. Like, I, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, although I'm pretty sure the government thinks I am. <laughs> uh, but there is something about uh, having all of, your, uh, all, of your, all of your financial transactions easily tracked. Mm -hmm. And also, if, if all of your assets are digital, it makes it that much easier for them to be seized or stolen. Yeah. So I, I'm not a financial whiz by any stretch of the imagination, but I would like to know, like, if, if liquidity will no longer exist in terms of, of cash money, will yeah. liquidity still exist in terms of gold, in terms of diamonds, and those kinds of assets? Yeah. I, we're not uh, uh, financial wizards by any stretch. And by the way, uh, I just wanted, I just I checked it on my phone just to be sure, uh, Sweden is going to become the world's first cashless society by March of next year. And I, I was a late adopter. I, my dad was banking online before I was, my dad was saying, well, you know, you should be banking online Tara." And I said, ah, well, you know, I, what if all my money disappears one day? <laughs> and I, and I, I do bank online now, but I, I still, and this has got to be an age thing, I guess. I don't like to leave the house without a 20 in my pocket. No, me either. I don't like to go out with no money. Yeah. Like no cash money. Yeah. And I just, and I find it pops up in the strangest ways. You know, my wife and I went to get the Christmas tree. We're recording this in uh, late November. My wife and I went to get the Christmas tree on the weekend. And as we drove up, it said cash only. And I, and I happened to have a uh, hundred bucks in my, in actually it was more than a hundred bucks in my pocket. Because I don't, I don't like to be without cash. Because my, you know, as soon as my wife saw the sign, she said, "Ah, shit, we we're gonna have to go get cash." I said, "No, I got, I got some in my pocket." <laughs> You're with the right fella. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what that is. I just, you know, I don't like, to, you know, even though I've got like three credit cards and a debit card, I don't like to leave the house without cash in my pocket. Besides, you must think I'm nuts, right? Absolutely, the fuck not. I love cash. <laughs> <laughs> Because I, I find it's an age thing. No, no. Uh, well, I think it depends where you come from. Yeah. Okay. Where I'm from, cash is king. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I don't know. Maybe it also is uh, 
it's it could be a, a Montreal thing because my wife and I have noticed out west there's not a lot of guys. You know, you know, you have a guy for a thing. There, there's not a lot of that. that you mean goes under on. the under the work table under the under the work table under the yeah. table work? Yeah. Well, I think yeah, that's yeah. part of the move towards a cashless society. Is yeah. is governments you know, cracking down on that and probably on money laundering too? You know, when you say to somebody like you're standing in a crowd and you say, "I got to go home because uh, you know I I've got to fix a, my uh, my wa my washer is broken," and there's somebody inevitably in a circle of people who say, "Hey, my uh, my brother-in-law does those things. Why don't you give him a call?" That that doesn't seem to happen out here, and and in Montreal it's like, uh, yeah, I can fix that for you. Just uh, yeah, give me a hundred bucks, we'll call it even. And probably it, not a big Italian community out there. That's why. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> part of it. And yeah. and I think well, Poseidon, I think Greek too. Hey, eh? it's uh, cash. Like uh, Poseidon says, Greek is uh, or uh, cash is king. Yep. Yeah, Greeks love cash. I think a lot of people. I I don't know. I think. I think a lot of people like cash. Well, restaurateurs for the longest time. Um, anyways, I'm not going to get into details, but you know, you know the story of <laughs> restaurateurs making a shit ton of money. Greek restaurateurs. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. and and the government put an end to that. Yep. In Quebec, I don't know if you know if you're listening to this podcast and you're not a, a Quebecer. In Quebec, the cash registers are hooked up to some kind of giant terminal in Quebec City. Yeah, everything goes. Uh, through the government, basically now, uh, yeah. any transaction, anything you punch in. So, because uh, for those who don't know, back I think it was the seventies and the eighties, and even up until the nineties and early two thousands, uh, basically they 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 have the same bill for um, you know numerous tables. And yep. uh, let's say let's say it was a table of two, and they had the usual stuff that people ordered. They'd have one bill for like ten tables, and then they the restaurateur would pocket the rest, basically. Which uh, you know they uh, ended up avoiding uh, a lot of uh, taxes. Yeah. Um. So the government didn't like that, and uh, they put these uh, computers in 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 restaurants. Uh. But I think it's stupid because they were getting they were getting their money anyways. Now we're just having just a bunch of businesses, a bunch of restaurants went out of business, and they're getting even less tax money, even and though everything I is declared. I, you know, I, I I can tell this story now because he's not with us anymore, but Tony at Cosmos used to do that. Remember this, Ted? Tony Tony at Cosmos, we would go to Cosmos for a famous, famous Cosmos breakfast. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, we'd finish and I'd say, I'm, I'm going to pick up uh, breakfast for uh, me and Patty or breakfast for me and Ted. And he'd say, what did you have? And I'd say, well, we had an omelet and that, that, that. And he'd go, uh, give me $20. <laughs> he would take the $20, but he, he wouldn't punch it into the cash. He just yeah. put it in the cash. Yeah, yeah. And I'd think, yeah, good for you. And then, you know, you were able to tip the waitress an extra 10 or something. Did you ever know him, uh, Poseidon, or no. is he before your time? That's uh, too bad. He, Poseidon would love Tony, eh? But that was the but golden age of uh, restaurants. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And uh, the government would not because I'm telling you, I, 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 I'm speaking out of turn because I don't know. But I don't know of any other jurisdiction where restaurants' caches are hooked up to some terminal in the capital where they no. can keep an eye on you. Well, it's, it's like, I don't think it's uh, like hooked up to the. It's just uh, like everything is traced. Basically, you well, can't. You, basically, you can't. You can't. Uh, like it, it has to do with tables. Like you have to. You have to punch everything in it in order to, and then it goes through a machine, and then it goes into the right. kitchen in order. Yeah, so you can't just. 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it works exactly. Yeah. Um, but it, I find, I find it, I find it. Uh, like, I'll give you an example. Let's say um, you were making, uh, I don't know. Uh, let's say you were making a hundred thousand dollars, but you were only declaring a seventy. Let's say that other thirty thousand, like you weren't greedy. You were pocketing, you know, an extra thirty grand. But you still pay taxes on seventy grand. So let's say you paid, I don't know, forty percent about uh, what is that, thirty thousand? Let's say you paid thirty thousand dollars in taxes, right? Now you're making, now you're declaring a hundred grand. Now you're paying forty grand. But now you're you're a little strained. Your business, eh, can't run that well, right? You go out of business. The government loses thirty grand of taxes. You know what I mean? I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, less businesses, less taxes. That's the way I see it. Let's call my accountant Poseidon. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was <Bro>. one. Of, <laughs> that was one of my. That was one of my two drink minimum tangents. <laughs> bro, guy. why are you claiming this shit, bro? <laughs> <laughs> but I, it's you know what? I, there, there's something to be said for that because there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of people who say you know they get it, the government gets enough tax. And that's that's what spurs on the black market, which is, uh, you know, I got a guy, I got a guy who could do that for you, but uh, you know, uh, I'm not going to write you a bill. There, there, there's a lot of that that uh, that goes on. Here's here's another thing that I wonder about. How about the retailers? I was, I was. Uh, this is going to this opens. I'm I'm opening myself up to taking many shots from both Poseidon and Ted Bird. I was in Bed Bath and Beyond the other day buying candles. Oh God! Three, four. Anyone? Eighty-three candles. <laughs> did you did you buy any of them that smelled like friendship? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when I was done buying two candles, were you on an errand or were you buying these for yourself? <laughs> I was on an errand. That's what I figured. Okay. So that's why I let it go. <laughs> so the uh, the cashier says to me, um, can you uh, can you write down your email address? Oh. And can I have your phone number? And I said to the cashier, No. I, I'm not applying for a job. I just want to buy these two candles. Like what it, what is that now? That when have you had this? I've had this. As a matter of fact, I made the mistake of of giving them my email address when I bought my daughter Allie a pair of shoes like three years ago, and <laughs> I still get emails on the regular from that store telling me about their latest specials. Right. Delete. I mean, I delete them every time I get them, but it's just a pain in the ass to get them all the time. Right. I think the the key is to a made up uh, email address. I just refuse. <laughs> Yeah, or you could just say <laughs> zippydog at numnuts.org. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you could get creative with giving like yeah. crazy, yeah. like, uh, I don't know. Um, I like yeah. strippers69 yeah. at gmail.com. Forp your ass at hotmail.com. <laughs> That's what I do whenever I get, uh, when I, when I get uh, someone on a, a phishing uh, online, whether it's on text or or a Facebook Messenger or with an email, and I'm in the mood to play along with them, uh, that's what I'll do. I'll just start making shit up and, uh, you know, making up email addresses. And uh, the text ones, though, I, I'm, I'm more offended by the text ones. Yeah, I don't know. Like, why, what are you doing with my fucking phone number? Yeah, that's you know? new. That's a fairly new phenomenon, isn't it, Ted? That's yeah. happened to me. And a it lot always lately. starts with just hello. 
Yeah. Or how are you? And I usually respond, fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the end of it. Yeah. But the, uh, do you ever get the phone calls? Oh yeah. Yeah. Where you're, they've got your, uh, there's a warrant for your arrest and a package has been seized at the border. That's in your name. And would you please hold until the the next available agent comes on the line to talk to you? I don't know if you've gone online to watch there's, I don't know how they do it. There are people that torment these people there. There's accounts on TikTok and on YouTube yes. that they, they, they draw the, uh, the scammers in right. and they torment them. That's great. <laughs> and it's so much fun to watch. Oh, I got to see that. That's fantastic. Cause they deserve to be tormented. I've yeah. stayed on hold before with these guys when they, you know, when, when I'm about to be arrested and please hold for the next available agent. And yeah. the agent comes on, Agent Buskins, how can I help you? You can help me by fucking right off. <laughs> and then, of course, they hang up. Like, I'm not good at, some people like to draw them out and play along yeah. for a little while, but I just, I like to go for the fast fuck off, and uh, and that's the end. Or like and the best is, uh, uh, so, you know, he goes, hello, my name is Mark. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, it isn't. Yeah, sure, buddy. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Nigel. Yeah, no, it's not. Your name is not Nigel. There's no fucking way that your name is Nigel. Let's uh, let's take a moment and uh, thank another one of our supporters. As I've said many times before, um, we can't do the uh, podcast without support. We're uh, uh, we're not uh, we're <laughs> we're not uh, uh, buying mansions or anything, but uh, we do need the support to. Uh, Put these podcasts uh, together, and uh, the support is provided by longtime friends of ours, including the family at Merson Automotive at the corner of St. Jacques and Cavendish, where they've been for over 50 years. There's nothing like a feeling of being dealt with fairly, uh, feeling like you've got good bang for the buck, that you've got a, a, decent, uh, a decent deal uh, when you walk away from a business, and that's what the Mersons have been doing for years. I've told this story many times before. Years ago, I got taken by uh, uh, an unscrupulous mechanic uh, who fooled me into spending too much money. And somebody said, you should, you should be taking your car to the Mersons. And I was introduced to the family uh, over 30 years ago now, I think, and uh, was completely taken with their honesty and the quality of their work and their kindness and uh, the way that uh, they dealt with their customers and that's still true today with the third generation of Mersons. Whether you're buying tires, whether you're getting your oil changed, or if you drive a, a bit of a money pit. Right, Ted? Yeah, if you drive a Bavarian money pit like I do, the Mersons the place to go. I've told this story before uh, where I went to the dealer one time because I needed a, a part, a fairly expensive part, and I needed it installed. And so I bought the part at the dealer and I said, I got a quote from Merson. Can I get a quote from you on the installation? And the guy at the dealership said, no, 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 just take it to Merson. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to do way better there than you're going to do here, pal. Yeah, the Mersons will treat you right. Yeah, visit them in person for the full experience or visit MersonAuto.com. This is a, a story I wanted to uh, take up with you, Ted. I don't know if you saw my posting about this. I tweeted this a couple of weeks ago uh, about something I got uh, targeted for on LinkedIn. Um, and, you know, I don't bother with LinkedIn because I'm not looking for work, um, but... Uh, 
I got targeted, and, you know, you get those notes saying, uh, you know, you're if uh, you're looking for a job, forget how they word it, but here's a job that, you know, meets your qualifications or whatever. So for fun, I clicked on it, and it was some organization in Toronto, and it was like looking for a, a TV host or something like that, and right under the job description was in big block letters, this is not a paid position. And I, I thought to myself, how do, how do you get away with doing that uh, on on LinkedIn? Like, how do you advertise for people to come work for you and then tell people it's not a paid position? Like, what is that? That's not work. That's charity. That's what I thought. And And I just, I don't understand if that's a new way of the world. I mean, now that I'm on the sidelines... Um, and, uh, you know, I would be happy to do a little part-time thing somewhere or something, but I think I would ask at least for a stipend. Yes. A for, pittance you know, even. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you pointed out, Ted, that you're, you're probably, most people now are working harder than they ever did and, and making less than they ever did. I know I am. I'm, I'm, I'm doing more work for less money than I've ever done. And I'm not complaining uh, no. That's just the way of the world, and I've made some career choices along the way uh, that have uh, that have put me in a position where I don't make nearly as much money as I used to. Uh, I came out of it with my uh, integrity intact, but you can't use integrity as collateral at the bank. I've learned <laughs> <laughs> they're not taking it. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it's um, you know, and and. I, I, I know exactly what they would say if you went to them and said, why are you not offering any money? Like, what's in this for me? Oh, the exposure. <laughs> How often did you hear that earlier in your, early in your career? Yeah, I did when they didn't that. When they didn't want to pay you. Well, yeah. think of the exposure we're giving you. Yeah. Exposure, don't but, pay the bills. No, sir, not a bit. Yeah. And I, I don't know, but I find, because, you know, I'm watching a, um, um, a younger uh, you know, my wife is much younger than me and still has a lot of career in, in ahead of her. And I've watched her interact with, you know, different, uh, uh, different opportunities over the years. And, uh, some of the things that some of the companies do and say are, I don't know, are pretty staggering. And I, I wonder where that's all going to lead in terms of, um, you know, the things that you read about inequality and stuff, uh, in terms of, uh, uh, you know, what it was like to have a job 35, 40 years ago and be able to afford a house and all of that stuff. I'm, I'm not a believer that, you know, we should be handing things to people on a silver platter, but whenever organizations talk about, they can't find anybody to work. Um, I wonder about what there is, what they're offering in, in order to find people to come work for them. Well, I think a big part of the problem is, and I know that this is true in broadcasting is the lack of competition. Uh, ownership is so concentrated now uh, that they can offer you peanuts because where else are you going to go? You right. know, there might be one or two other options, but they're going to offer you peanuts too. There's just, yeah. th there's a dearth of competition, at least in the broadcast industry. And I don't know how widespread that is in other industries, but I think that's a big part of what, what keeps opportunity and wages down. And it just seems like there's increasingly uh, two classes of people the haves and the have nots. And there's no, the, yeah. the middle class seems to be ever shrinking. And the middle class has always been the backbone of a country like Canada. And that, that, that doesn't lead to anywhere good, does it? I don't think so. And it, it, it makes me concerned for my own children. Like, you know, I had a good run 
And uh, we were lucky to work at a time when, uh, you know, if you were good in radio, you could make a, a good enough living that you could buy a home yep. and support your family. And, and if you played your cards right, uh, a, a plan for uh, a comfortable retirement. But, um, you know, unless you're, one of, unless you're Joe Buck and Troy Aikman these days, uh, that's not happening. Yeah. I, I also, you know, it, at, a, at a level, I know post-COVID there was a lot of, well, you know, uh, this section of the restaurant is closed because we can't find people to work. And I always think, well, you know, my, my wife always says to me, you know, they never have any trouble getting people to work at Costco because Costco really looks after their people. They do, they, eh? Yeah, they pay way above um, minimum wage. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and, and have benefits and really, really look after their people. And it's quite a quite a sought after uh, after gig. I Our local co Costco here, not far from where I live, had a big banner up one day saying, you know, we're going to be uh, looking for uh, positions full and part-time this Saturday. Um, and uh, apparently the lineup was around the block um, when they when they went to interview people for those positions. Well, good for them. I'm I'm glad yeah. to hear that. I would I would like to see more companies follow that lead, you know. And Costco Costco does extremely well, so yeah. you know that sh that should wealth. yeah that should be a, that should be a lesson, you know. Yeah. Hire good people, pay them you know a, a decent wage, and uh, reap the rewards. Yeah, but here's the thing, and and this this is what a lot of business owners say: Are you willing to pay twenty one dollars for a hamburger? So that the staff can be, you know, properly paid and have benefits. Yeah, well, to that I say, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to charge me $21 for that hamburger. Okay, all right. But that, that's a, a lot of business owners say that's the, I know. It, that's the issue, right? Is, is if you want us to, you know, pay above minimum wage and look after our people and give them proper benefits, we have to increase our prices. For small businesses, I guess, but places like McDonald's can afford it. Yeah, I agree with oh, that. Oh, the big corporations can mm. afford it for sure. And good on Costco for going down that road. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I, uh, especially in this day, I, I, I don't, I'm also not a conspiracy theorist, Ted, but I, I am, I, I just know, I don't know this to be true, but I just know that corporations are, going over their lists of products and going jack that up 22 cents put that up 35 cents charge an extra dollar for that we'll blame it all on inflation yeah everybody's or, talking or COVID. about covid hey or covid or covid yeah but lately it's inflation yeah who's paying, who's paying seven dollars for lettuce uh not me not me either. <laughs> no no sir i saw lettuce yesterday and it was about that and i said no thanks I, you know, let I, us not let us talk not, about yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> I hate myself. Ah, <laughs> uh, the podcast. What fun. What fun. We can say anything we want to say. Yes, we can. That's right. We should talk about Voswin. All right. Because that's how I'm going to get wealthy. I'm going to invent something. Okay. And I'm going to invent something with the help of of the folks at Voswin, an engineering consulting firm, I'm thinking about how can I, uh, how can I make a better trebuchet? A what? Trebuchet. C'est quoi ça? A catapult. <laughs> <laughs> 
How can I make the perfect catapult and what can I use it for? Okay. Yeah. Or maybe, uh, uh, what else? Um, um, a, a, a costume uh, uh, for a human cannonball. You know, like a, a fire <laughs> retardant. Becoming a daredevil? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. A fire retardant bodysuit and helmet. And then I'll join the circus as a human cannonball. But I want to make my own. What's that? Super Ted. Yeah. I want to make my own outfit. So I go to Voswin. Voswin are specialists in engineering. If you have, if you have a better idea than me, and most people probably do for an innovation or an invention, or if you have an existing product or service that has an engineering component to it, Voswin can help you protect it, uh, perfect it, that is, not protect it. Oh, well, maybe they can help you protect it, too. They do mechanical and industrial engineering and design, electrical engineering and design, software engineering and design, and they do it very well. They are an award-winning engineering consultant firm, and they can help you. You can find them at voswin.com. Stop the spin. Call Voswin. Vision to innovation. It's another family-run business, like my friends at Matla Bonheur, longtime supporters of almost everything that I've done over the years, and uh, uh, longtime supporters of the podcast from day one. Uh, Norm and his family started this small business on Gwen Boulevard in Saint Genevieve uh, over almost know, close to thirty years ago now. Uh, they started with a pickup truck and a couple of mattresses and opened this small store that you can still go into, by the way. That location, the original location, is still on Gwen Boulevard in St. Genevieve. Uh, but they're not, not really a small company anymore. they got locations all over the greater Montreal area. But the premise of how they do business is still the same. You're still greeted with warmth and manners at the front door. A uh, smiling uh, person will, uh, who's been well-trained in the way they do business at Matt Bonheur will ask you some questions about how you sleep and, and what you're looking for, and then they'll suggest some products to you, and then they'll leave you alone. They won't follow you around and pressure you, and all the stores are designed around sleep products to make sure you get a better night's sleep. Matt Bonheur have been doing this for years, and I encourage you to go in and get that experience in person. If not, you can go online at matlaubonheur.ca. Uh, but go in in person and, and see what I'm talking about. It's a lovely, lovely shopping experience. And now, whether you're shopping online or in person, tell them you listen to the podcast and use the code TED04 and TEAR05 and get yourself an extra 5% off of everything you spend. Matlaubonheur.ca. We got to get Poseidon over there. He's having some issues with insomnia. He needs a sleep technologist. Mm. That's where you, that's where you should go, Poseidon. Go see the folks at Matlab on Air. They will take care of you. I promise that. For sure. Ted, are we doing the tweet sheet on this uh, episode? Oh, we forgot about the tweet sheet. That yeah. right we are. It's that's my favorite yeah, part. That's a, that's actually that's a good closer. Let's close it with the tweet sheet. What do you say? I think we're in about an hour, aren't we? Yeah, don't worry, don't worry We've been yammering, yammering on like your Aunt Edna's ass. Yeah, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, we okay, used that right, We used that one in the last episode. Uno momento, por favor, senor. Okay. Like, I heard footin' yet. <laughs> this uh, this uh, me on the one coast and you on the other coast, uh, I guess it's not working out too bad, but the the next season I got to come in. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, 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 uh, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Here's uh, here's the first tweet from at fifty first Tates. 
Dog, oh my God, what are you doing? Me, literally just standing here. Dog, absolutely losing it. This is nuts. Holy fucking shit. Because <laughs> dogs get pretty excited, you see. <laughs> From at Cool Math Game, me in the passenger seat and my dog is in the driver's seat. He was driving. Cop, I saw you just switch spots. Me, LOL. Cop, you killed a family of four. Me, OMG, bad dog. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of dark, eh? That's funny. <laughs> Very dark. Yeah, I was sticking with the dog theme, though. <laughs> and from at Cyrus C, no, Cyrus American. My wife said that if this tweets get 20 likes, we can name the baby shithole. <laughs> <laughs> And it got 359 likes. So I guess they've got a baby called Shithole. <laughs> That's so stupid. What's your baby's name? He's cute. <laughs> <laughs> I beg your pardon? <laughs> ah, Shithole. <laughs> and well. you, Shithole. <laughs> when he becomes a Supreme Court justice, the swearing in, I, Shithole McLean. <laughs> That reminds me of Louis C.K. Remember, remember the first night we saw Louis C.K. Ted. I remember it very well. It was at the old Comedy and, Works. Yeah, man. And uh, I, I, I thought, I thought both of us were going to need uh, uh, oxygen. Yeah, oxygen yeah. for sure. If, yeah. if not urgent santé, we could barely breathe. We laughed so the, hard. Yeah, that was the night he said he wanted to win. I think he said he wanted to win the lotto, and if he won the lotto. He was going to change his name to Cunty McShitballs and then donate uh, a big a big portion of his winnings to a hospital wing so that he would have, they would have to name the wing Cunty McShitballs. And they would go, have to have a ceremony where they would open the Cunty McShitball wing. And... I'm not. I'm certainly. I'm sure he would kick my ass if he heard me try trying to paraphrase the joke. But that's what it reminded me of. Yeah, he did another one. I saw him another time at the, the old Bourbon Street West out on the West Island, and he did the same kind of gag. Only he said if he had more money than he knew what to do with, he'd open a chain of pet shops and call it Pet Fuckers. <laughs> 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 Come on into pet fuckers where we fuck your pets. Oh and, and can I just say, you thought he was canceled? He isn't. No. I, I follow him online. I'm on his mailing list, and he's just as funny as he ever was. And and not only is he just as funny as he ever was, he, he owned what happened. Absolutely he did. And you know what happened with him, eh, Poseidon? Yeah, yeah but yeah. I, he didn't really hurt anyone, though. No, he didn't. Um, I, I think he might have traumatized uh, a, a few women. But, but he asked for permission, and they said okay. And the way he explained it was uh, on his album, his big comeback album, was he said, uh, he said, I like to masturbate, and I don't like being alone. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Bobby, you know what I like too is he 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 opened by saying everybody has their thing and now everybody knows what my thing yeah, is. Yeah, there you go. He must have a huge dick. Like he he just he doesn't want to masturbate. He wants to show it off at all times. He can't masturbate alone because he wants to show it off. You I'm think not that's sure why? I leapt to that conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might be simple exhibitionism myself. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, it could be. Anyway, if you're that's a good a fan, note to go out on. 
Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know, look, I, I, I'm, what I'm trying to say is I know if I had a huge dick, I'd want to not masturbate alone as well. You mean you don't? This <laughs> <laughs> is deteriorated, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I apologize. My, mom, my mom's out at this point. Yeah. <laughs> my mom just turned off the podcast. <laughs> I don't know about that Poseidon man. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't blame her. I don't blame her. <laughs> mom, to know him is to love him. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry I'm not in the studio with you guys, but ho- hopefully we'll uh, rectify that in the uh, in the new year. Yes, sir, we will. Because um, this would be the this would be the closing episode of season four, correct, Ted? It seems like yeah, because okay. I got nothing else to say. I'm no? done now. Nah, we, you know, we're going out on uh, on uh, the size of Poseidon's uh, manhood. Mm-hmm. Where do you go from there? Yeah, it's hard to top that. I yep. guess. Eh? Yeah. Listen, as we're uh, as we're exiting, uh, can we uh, uh, just uh, thank our uh, supporters? Um, a big thank you to our friends at uh, the Mersons, Met Labonard, Jaguar Land Rover Laval, our pals at Voswin, and our uh, title sponsor, the UPS Store Canada. Uh, thanks to David Drucker and all the UPS stores across the country, 360 locations. Uh, who uh, I think, up to a minute ago anyway, were proud to be the title sponsor of the... I'm Ter- pretty sure they still are. <laughs> Terry and Ted podcast. We should also thank Pantelis and Mike Ward for their hospitality and the use of their resources, and Poseidon for his excellent production yeah. skills and for telling us about the size of his Johnson. <laughs> My pleasure. Also their, also their encouragement. The a, Pantelis and Mike Ward have yeah. been so... So, so encouraging over the, uh, well, since we first did a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, parting is such sweet sorrow, Ted. It is, Ter. And Mm -hmm. I hope to see you in person one of these days. Yeah. Me too. Don't forget to brush your teeth. Okay. (laughs) Thanks. Standing by, the Terry and Ted podcast has been brought to you by the UPS Store Canada. The UPS Store near you is locally owned and operated by a member of your small business community. 